Hello, and welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint podcast. I'm Elliot Shibley, and here with me, as always, is the mouth-watering Bob Demena. Um, thank you, I think. Uh, so today, before we get into the show, if you find people could take the time and review us on iTunes, it's such a big deal to us and the show and its growth. We really couldn't thank you enough if you could do that. In addition to that, join our Traveler's Blueprint community private Facebook group if you want behind-the-scenes articles uh, or information on some of our guests, uh, status updates on how our podcast is doing. And lastly, take the time if you're looking for an Audible subscription or you know someone who is, sign them up. It is completely free to you. Go through our affiliate link at audibletrial.com forward slash ttbpodcast.com, or you can go on our website and click on the link in the upper right-hand corner. That's it for me. Elliot, what do we have going on today? Today's guests are two pretty interesting guys who both share a passion for traveling and decided to start their own travel podcast. And on today's show, they will be highlighting some of their most memorable places they did something like where they had their favorite meal, or saw some awesome animals, or made a friendship with a stranger all while traveling. Please give a hearty welcome to Bob and Elliot of The Traveler's Blueprint. Welcome to The Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. All right, Elliot, I'm really excited for this. I think you and I are going to get to know each other a little bit more today. At least we're going to learn some of our previous travel stories, which I think is pretty cool. What better way to do it than over a podcast? So uh, I think I'll get started. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Start off light. Where did you see the coolest animal? (laughs) Uh, Well, I got to see a bunch of awesome animals at Makumi National Park in Tanzania, but I mean, obviously, giraffes are pretty cool. Elephants are pretty cool. But I think the thing that stunned me the most was this pterodactyl-like bird. And there were actually wow. a few of them, yeah. Uh, one, it was a stork. And it stands, I think, at like five foot tall. So it's it's standing among like wildebeest and pronghorn antelope and all of, and zebras. And it's like at shoulder height to all of those animals standing in the, the savannah, the safari and they just look massive. And when they actually fly, their wingspan is also enormous, like casts a shadow over everything. I think I know the animal you're talking about. They have this uh, very thick looking beak. It, those it, are those are shoebills. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're also they're also in Tanzania, but I didn't get to see any of those. The the main one that I saw actually has a huge, huge pointy beak. Um, I forget what it's actually called. And there's another one called the secretary bird. It looks like a really, really tall chicken, like a chicken on stilts, but hmm. really cool looking. Yeah, Tanzania, uh, if we're talking animals, I think if anybody's been there, that's probably going to be up there. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. We yeah. had, we got to see some lions. Uh, I, it can either be confirmed or denied, but I believe we saw a leopard sitting in a tree as well, but it was kind of far away and it was also in a tree. And they're pretty well camouflaged. Yeah. Any hyenas? Uh, didn't see any, but heard them in our tents at night. That, that was kind of scary. That was kind of terrifying. Um, did get to see some crocodiles and hippos. Ooh. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. What about you? You've, you've seen elephants, right? No, man, no. High on my bucket list and is oh, an elephant in the wild. No. Oh, in, in the wild. In the wild, yeah. Yeah, no, okay. I see them at the zoo. 
but I want to see an elephant in the wild. I would love to take my my wife and daughter to Africa one day and do that. So that's that's in the in the plans. But up to this point, I've seen quite a few animals. But up to this point, one of my craziest experiences with animals is in Thailand at Maya Bay, which is now closed to the public for rehabilitation. It's where they. It's where they shot. Uh, it's called James Bond Island, also referred to as James Bond Island, with that jutting rock. It's a, a huge tourist destination in Thailand. Anyway, it's closed, but I was there and I was sitting on a bench drinking a water bottle with this monkey next to me. I put the water bottle down for a few seconds. The monkey comes up, grabs the water bottle in his left hand, pushes me in the shoulder with his right hand, and snarls his fangs at me. And at that point, what? Yeah, just punked me from my water bottle and i was just you know you can have it monkey i don't need the water bottle that much and i got up walked away he felt more comfortable he stabbed it with his fangs and drank the water through the bottle wow right in front of me oh yeah just just brutal completely yeah he was a tough monkey um decent size i have a really really good picture of him like right close up of his face that i have to post maybe we could post it with this episode oh is that the one yeah You've probably seen it. It's yeah, one of my favorite pictures. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, man, that's the monkey that stole my water bottle, snarled his fangs, and then just proceeded to drink it right in front of me. Uh, I think monkeys kind of freak me out. Yeah, 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 me too. So when I was in, also in Tanzania, there's a lot of baboons, and they hang out in the national forest, but there's a bunch of villages right at the base of the mountains where the forest is. And I was on a run don't ask me why i was on a run in tanzania and (laughs) that sounds so dangerous all the predators out there and (laughs) you gotta keep the beach bod (laughs) no so i was on this run and uh i was running down the path and there was the town to the right the forest to the left and all of a sudden this pack of baboons runs across the road and they're known for going through trash scavenging taking stuff from homes they're kind of like looters and they just all ran out in front of me and then on my way back uh i saw the same group but i kind of they i think i startled them because half of them ran in front of me half of them ran behind me and i was probably 20 foot away from one that ran across the road and when they stand up they're probably six foot tall but when they're on all fours, they're only like four foot. But when they were running across the road, and this is the part that freaks me out about monkeys, is one of them just looked at me the entire time it was crossing the road, and it looked like a human. It just felt like I, I could tell it was looking at me, like dead eye contact. Yeah, that's that's freaky. I mean, there's something about we're so similar to them. You know he was sizing you up. He oh, was, absolutely. Yeah. Well, there were like yeah. 30 of them. Dude, and they're dangerous. The fangs on some of those monkeys, too, is ridiculous. Yeah. They're, are those the ones with the bare butts, right? Those, that's yeah. that's the monkey that held up Simba. Yeah, Rafiki. Rafiki, yeah. yeah. Which is also Swahili for friend. Oh. Yeah. See, I'm learning something already. We're only in yeah. the first question. And you know Simba is uh, Swahili for lion? No. I didn't even know that they were using Swahili words to yeah. name the animals. Some of them. Huh. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I learned some fun stuff there. All right, enough about the animals. I want to know where you had your favorite meal while traveling. Okay. Yeah, this was this is a hard one. So, but it came down to Croatia. I had a plate of truffle ravioli. And so, 
truffles are native. I well, I don't know about native, but they're Croatia is a big place where truffles are harvested, and they use pigs to find them in the dirt to pull them out. And there's a there's a town a region called Pula in the northwestern area of Croatia where a lot of these truffles come from. Anyway, the raviolis were amazing. The fresh red truffles, the fresh black truffles with the the ravioli and the amazing red wine and just sort of being in the area in that moment, it was such an amazing meal. My wife hands down agrees with me on this one. There's no dispute. We are both on board the most amazing meal of our lives. <laughs> wow, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I think truffles are really cool. They're they're the one food that we as humans have not been able to cultivate ourselves. We haven't figured out the growing conditions, so they have to be found in the wild. Oh, wow. I did not know that. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You don't hear about them growing anywhere. That's one of the reasons why they're so expensive and why like truffle hunting is a thing. Yeah. And I guess it's really common in forests and kind of wetter areas. And they usually use either pigs or dogs to smell them and track them down. Very cool. Yeah. And there's a bunch of different truffles from all over the world. And I think some truffles per like dried weight are actually more than gold. Wow. I know the biggest truffle ever found was in Istria, Croatia. And I don't remember how big it actually was, but there's pictures of it. It is gigantic. And we are, we're, we're fully stocked with truffle oil, truffle um, butter. We have all of these different truffle condiments uh, ready at our house that we use from mm-hmm. time to time. Yeah, truffle oil is so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have truffle salt. So it's salt with like little bits of truffle in there. Oh, it's, yum. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Use that sparingly. Yeah, yeah. So what about you? Where's your Where's your favorite meal? Uh, it, it, two, two meals come to mind. Uh, but I think I'll save the one for another question. Okay. The one meal that is probably my favorite, and it it does have to do with the food, but it also has to do with the environment, the atmosphere, the people, was in Paris. And it was when I was studying abroad with Penn State. And a bunch of us just went out to this fairly nice restaurant. And I think there were like eight of us. And we ordered... I think six entrees, six appetizers, and six desserts. And we just like ordered as much as we could and just shared everything. So we all got to try some of it. We got like escargot, we got terrine, we got all of this amazing French food. We got like six bottles of wine. It was just so much fun. And we were there for, I don't know, two, three hours into the late evening. That's yeah, and I know that that style of eating is very much your style, where you share everything. So I know you're in heaven, being able to sit down and get a taste of everything, especially in somewhere like like France. That's oh, awesome. God. Yeah, it was so much fun. Yeah, such a foodie city. It is, it really is. All right, you ready? You ready for the next one? I'm ready. Where have you gotten too drunk? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is where the stories come out. Yeah. Uh well. I'm not sure which one to pick. <laughs> That's always good. So I'll say there have been a few. The The one that comes to mind first is Berlin. And this was in March or, yeah, I think March of 2012. No, March 2013. And <laughs> I was there with a few friends also on the study abroad. And we went to 
a liquor store and just bought like fifths of rum and whiskey and I definitely had too much to drink before we even got to the first bar and about half hour into the first bar I was in the stall throwing up and I the one thing I did pride myself on in Germany and Europe when I was there for four months I did not have any fast food and nothing American except for that night I got Burger King chicken fries yep you were drunk man that's <laughs> that's like the yeah you resorted back to your roots <laughs> i know i know yeah, it was bad that's... but the the other two so this one barcelona was a lot of fun also it's a very similar group of guys and we started the night out awesome it was at a tapas place and it was one of those tapas places that it was uh you get eight tapas and bottomless house wine mm-hmm so I think there were six of us at dinner, and I'm pretty sure we went through seven or eight bottles of wine. We pretty much had a bottle of wine each. And then we went to another bar, and even after the first tapas place, everything starts to get hazy. And the one thing I do remember is going to this chaputeria, and it is Spanish for a shot bar. And I have I have a picture of the board. They probably had four or five hundred different shots in there. And it is a very touristy place, but being that there were six or seven of us going there, we all bought around for each other. And then we ran into these other Penn State girls who were there. And for I I think one of them it was her birthday. And so there were three or four of them, so we got three or four more rounds of shots. And I think one of the guys ended up peeing on a street corner. <laughs> like, and it wasn't, it was in a street light was like right there. There were cars everywhere. He thought he was hidden. He definitely wasn't. And we all kind of just walked away like, no, don't do. Okay. See ya. Yeah. And then I think we went to two or three more bars after that. And I honestly don't remember getting. Is that where your recollection hotel. goes? Yeah. 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 And the last one I'll save for another time. Sounds awesome. They they were good. I mean, I definitely regretted it for the entire next days on both of those trips. Yeah, both of the those next evenings. Few days. Yeah. yeah, it was rough. I have a few nights just like that. Yeah, <laughs> in your house. <laughs> yeah, just on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Where was yours? Well, yeah. So one of the, the the drunkest I've ever been uh, abroad was I think in Croatia. Marley and I were out one night. Um, I think it was in the island of Havar. And we met this couple during the day. They were from Nova Scotia, Canada. And we decided to meet up with them that night. So we meet up with them and we go to this bar that it wasn't too crowded. And I guess because so tipping in Europe, as a lot of people know, isn't as common as it is in the United States. And so we were tipping like Americans. And we he the bartender, you could tell, wanted us to stay. It's, it was a slow night. And so he was giving us free shots. So every other shot we got was free. So we'd buy one, then we'd get one free. Then we'd buy one, then we'd get one free. And we just overdid it. At some point, we'd leave, and um, I, need to, I need to pee. And we're outside in this ancient you know, town. Uh, Marlia and the girl we were with went off somewhere, and I was with the guy. And he, he talked me into climbing up this wall. And so I did it. That's always gonna, a good thing after I was going to climb up this wall, and it might have been – it might have been a six foot wall. And so it's not, but it's stone. It's stone. You know, so it's hard. It was hard to climb up, especially drunk. You had to pull yourself up by your hands. And anyway, I do it. 
and I as I'm in the process of doing it. I don't think I ever stood up. And I slip and I fall into this bush. And this bush has these crazy pointy leaves. Just so sharp. I fall in this bush and I get up and I have a bunch of what look like porcupine thorns sticking out of my arm. Like 6 to 12 inch thorns. Oh my god. Just poke. I have scars from it. And so I'm bleeding all over at this point. Blood running down my arm, all over my shoes. The guy just starts pulling them out. I don't know, you know, and so, the, and then, <laughs> yeah, it? so then, yeah, so then we're just pulling them out, and my wife being a nurse starts running, she runs up, she's flipping out, she, you know, it, there's blood everywhere, my blood was so thin from the, from the alcohol, um, yeah, I do have the scars to prove that one, they're all in my bicep and my forearm, <laughs> um, yeah, and so when I was going over this story with my wife, she had told me that, I, something that I completely forgot, in that bar, when they were giving out shots, if you took a shot, or I guess if a certain there was a certain shot they were serving, if you took that shot, you had to put on a Viking helmet, and then they would spin you around, and then they would beat you in the head with a hammer. Um, I don't remember any of that. That is just what my wife told me. I'm assuming that yeah, I, I have no idea. I don't remember any of it. Pretty crazy, man. That's not a good thing. Was that it? Was that the shrub? That's the, the shrub, shrub. And yeah, that's the spiky shrub. Oh, wait, is that is that? What did you try to look it up? Yeah. It looks you, it looks horrifying. What did you type in? Uh, thorny shrub in Croatia. Yeah, it it was horrible, man. It, it it sort of resembled the palm tree, though, in a way. I couldn't really see the picture that you held up too too clearly. But dude, I mean, it was. I was just so bloody. <laughs> that was just so any, bloody. Any photos? Yeah, I think I have photos from that night. I'll have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to see those. You. Yeah. Oh man, I yeah, I never. I don't think I've ever been hurt. No. Yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, All right. Well, a little, a little less dangerous. Uh, where, where did you have the best ice cream? I don't really have a big ice cream story. I, I guess I just haven't been somewhere that has great ice cream yet. I've had shaved ice in Hawaii, which like they're they're sort of known for. There's a lot of big name um, shaved ice places, especially like in the North Shore of, of the Big Island. I'm sorry, not the big island of Honolulu, but the, that's really it. I don't really have much for this one. I hope uh, one day to venture out and get better ice cream, but I'm not a big sweets guy. I, I'm a savory uh, person all the way through. Never had savory ice cream? No. What would that be? What flavor would that be? Bacon. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you? Uh, for me, the best ice cream was travel-wise, either in Rome or Venice, the gelato. I mean, I think in... Both both places, I think I had gelato two times a day. Yeah, yeah. You're not the first person to say that. It seems like that's Just the place everywhere. to be. Yeah, if you want good gelato, Italy seems to be the reigning champ, from what I understand. But the other place was in Stone Harbor in New Jersey, and wait, hold on, hold on. Are you putting? Are you ranking Stone Harbor, New Jersey, with Rome and Venice? I am. I am. Springers. Ah, I don't know if I can let this slide. Springer's ice cream in Stone Harbor was unbelievable. Hmm. Well, that I can make happen. I and it, it's that. actually it's actually one of the I think last year or two years ago it was the second best ice cream shop rated the second best ice cream shop in the U.S. Wow, and they're not too far. They may be in, maybe an hour away from me next summer. I might have to make a visit. Elliot said it: best ice cream in possibly the United States. Yeah, that's I would have to confirm that, but I'm fairly certain that's what I saw. All right. All right. Is it my turn? You ready for the next one? I am ready. So 
where did you have your favorite conversation with a stranger? So I try not to talk to strangers too much, you know, because stranger danger. Uh, yes. But with that being said, I do like to couch surf. And the one experience that I've had with couch surfing in Zurich was incredible. I loved it. And I just hung out with the guy who I ended up couch surfing with. And he was just like a tax guy for a big company, but he was really into uh like programming and old video games, different kind of music. It was a lot of fun, but he took me to a few different bars. And one night he, we got together with a bunch of his friends and they all speak English pretty well, but they all, they also speak, um, Swiss German, which is like, uh, high German. I think I forget what the actual name of it is, but their accents are really different, but they were teaching me all of these different words when we were playing Uno so they were teaching me the numbers and the colors, and we just played Uno for like two hours and just that's, had this random conversations. That's awesome. You were getting like a, a rudimentary um, language lesson in one of the best ways I've ever heard through an Uno <laughs> class Yeah, or an Uno game. That's great. Oh, yeah. It was so much fun. But he's the same guy I went uh, hiking with up to the top of this mountain in Zurich. Yes. And- in in hindsight, maybe not the best idea to go hiking with a stranger on a secluded path. You but, guys played you know, Uno together. You're pretty much best friends. At e- that exactly, point. exactly. Like yeah. almost, almost family. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a, that's how the saying goes. <laughs> what about you? Um, so one that sticks out in my head was when I was in Cincinnati. I went to this bar. It was like a uh, it was one of the best beers I've ever had. They had this albino stout. I think it was called the Butcher and the Brew, something along those lines in Cincinnati. Anyway, I was there. I was sitting there, and there was a guy next to me, also alone, traveling around. And I don't remember how we struck up a conversation, but we ended up talking for a while. And he was this young, early 20s pilot, and he was getting his hours in to be a commercial pilot. So he was flying around, and he would look for any excuse to fly if someone had to go somewhere. He would take them. And we just ended up swapping stories about different cities we've been and different experiences we've had. We both left learning about cities that we hadn't been to yet and some of the cool things that we wanted to see. But it was it was a really awesome experience. Um, and that was it. That was oh. it. We hung out. Yeah, this is the this is what you were talking about with Mike Farnioli, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I brought it up then. Very as well. similar, yeah. very similar story. I thought for a second I was like, I've heard this before. This isn't <laughs> this isn't your story. You stole this. This is a movie. <laughs> no, it yeah. was it was one of the cooler times. Traveling alone for work over the years, I've had some really awesome conversations with various people in tons of cities. This one is just one of the ones that stuck out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. All right, let's pause. When All right, so speaking of flights, uh have you ever missed a flight or missed any of your travel arrangements? I know you're a super planner, so I'm assuming this answer is no. This answer is no, uh, never. I have ever? never not missed even close. A, close, yes. All right, yes, but not my fault. Just due to delays with the airline. All right, where I would have troubles. I, I've ran through the airport multiple times in my day, sprinted through, weaving in and out of people, sweating by the time I get to the airport. Sit down, exhausted, out of breath. I've done that uh, at least three or four times. Um, but due to my own planning. Uh, I've never missed a travel arrangement. I've never missed a flight. And that just goes to show how bulletproof my planning is. And I'm lucky. I'm glad that you'll 
you'll experience it. You're lucky when we go to <laughs> Peru. <laughs> well, seeing as I am not the strict planner, uh, and this this probably doesn't say much about your the fact that you haven't missed anything. I haven't missed anything either. Oh, well, there goes that. <laughs> the closest, the closest that I've come to missing something was uh, two summers ago on a trip to Alaska. We were flying from like JFK to Atlanta to Seattle to Juneau, and our flight from JFK to Atlanta was delayed a little bit by like an hour, but we had like a two-hour layover. We got to Atlanta. That flight was also delayed. And then we only had like an hour in our layover between Atlanta and Seattle to get to Juneau. Mm -hmm. And we were an hour, 15 minutes behind schedule. So we had, we actually had the pilot or the host, hostesses, whatever they're called. Stewardess? Stewardesses. That's it. Uh, The hostesses. Flight attendant? Flight attendant. I don't know. There's a... I don't know what the politically correct term is these days, but go ahead. Change it. But they called ahead to the air traffic control tower and they're like, hey, we got uh, eight people on this flight that are on the air Alaska air flight to Juneau because I was traveling with Amanda, uh, my dad, his wife, uh, two other people and my grandparents. So it was like it was a big crowd and my grandparents are in their mid 70s, so they can't really run. So Amanda and I gave our bags to people that were on the flight with us. And then we were like, just shot to the front of the plane when we landed, sprinted about, I don't know, 40 terminals or 40 gates. It was like on the opposite side of the airport and just had them hold it for everyone to get there. Wow. And they did. And they did. They held it. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't have to. Sometimes they could be very strict. 10 minutes after the, uh, the last call and they'll shut those gates and they will not open them. Yeah. Well, the thing that so the thing that sucked and the thing that probably actually kept it open for us was that it was the last flight to Juno that night, and the next one wasn't until like six a.m. in the morning. And our boat ride from Juno to the island where we were staying was at five in the morning, and they only do it every like three days, so we would have pretty much missed our entire trip. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that just goes to show. I mean. You can be a perfect travel planner, but at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of the airlines. And it happens somewhat often where people's entire days are screwed over just because they missed a flight or because the, the airline has it delayed for some uh, some reason that, you know, sometimes they tell you and sometimes they don't. But yeah. I'm glad you got on, got, got on your flight. I am too. I am too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So for, for you then... Um... What was the most romantic night with the missus? Yes. This one is an easy one. It happened on our honeymoon. And we were in the city of Split, Croatia. And we found this amazing courtyard within Diocletian's palace. And I've mentioned it before, but it's Diocletian's palace is this gigantic, what is virtually a city that was built as the vacation home or the retirement home of former Roman Empire Emperor Diocletian. And now it's been converted in, converted into basically a small walled-in town. There's shops and restaurants. Our Airbnb was actually inside of the palace. So you can spend your entire trip in the city of Split within Diocletian's palace. Um, we, came, we stumbled across this awesome courtyard one night and you know, there were stone lined steps with giant, awesome Roman esque pillars. 
and we're sitting down on the steps and we have a server come and give us some of the best red wine we've ever had in our life. There's live music playing and there are people dancing in the in the in the courtyard area and this some of them were like ballroom trained and we just had this incredible night just sitting close together drinking great wine listening to the live music it was just an incredible environment so romantic and we both still just reminisce of that night quite often it's it was just one of our favorite nights that we've ever had together that's so awesome that's yeah that's that's high on the list so what about you uh i would have to say ours was in Killarney, Ireland. We had done the Ring of Kerry that day. And the Ring of Kerry is like a big 30 or 40 mile loop in southwestern Ireland. And you see these amazing views of the countryside, of the Atlantic. And it's just so green. It's beautiful. Like we saw so many sheep. It was ungodly. Um, And then when we got back, we actually went for a little run and went up to Torque Waterfall and then went back to the city, got a recommendation from the concierge, and we just walked into the city and had this awesome dinner. Um, got a nice bottle of Crianza and ordered some olives. I love olives, and these were actually just like the really super green olives with the pit still in them, not like the Kalamata that are nice and salty and oily. <laughs> And then right after that, we walked down a little bit. And this was in March. So it was still kind of cold and it's Ireland, so it's rainy. But we decided to get ice cream because we didn't eat enough. But yeah, it was a a gorgeous evening. And it was probably our favorite night of that trip and favorite night of any vacation travel we've ever had. Wow. Wow, that's saying a lot. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good memories. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome having those memories. Um, you ready for the next one? Oh, God, great, <laughs> We're, great, great one to transition into. Yeah, this is really weird to segue into this one. I don't know who wrote this list, but <laughs> <laughs> where was the most memorable place you peed outside? Ooh, yeah. This one, for me, is going to have to be in Tanzania. Uh, we took, like, a overnight trip to this waterfall and we hiked up i think it was like a six or seven mile hike and we hung out at this waterfall at the bottom and we could see all the way to the top and we're like we're swimming a little bit and then we went all the way up to the top it took forever to get up there and then at the top we have this amazing view we feel like we're standing on pride rock and looking at the valley below on the top of this waterfall um but the campsite that we were at, we just had little, it was little camping tents. It's not glamping. The ground was hard. We didn't have air mattresses or anything. It was just a sleeping bag. And it was actually pretty cold. Um, but the reason it's the most memorable is because of all of the animal noises. This is in a national park in the middle of Africa, very rural. And there are known predators of the night, aka leopards and monkeys baboons other weird creatures and so i just get my headlamp and i run outside and i'm standing like right next to the tent i i may have peed on it i have no idea i was just so terrified and i couldn't i could barely see anything and i heard all of these like leaves crunching around me (laughs) 
I definitely thought I was going to die. Wow. But yeah. you finished. And you I, went back to sleep. <laughs> I did. I did. I don't and know if I went back memorable. to sleep. Yes. No. Yeah, no. It was, it was terrifying. Yeah. What about, what about you? Mine is similar. Too, Outdoors, many, too many to count? <laughs> too, too many to count. I There's one of my... This is a weird question. But there's something oddly satisfying about just being on the summit of a mountain and just being off the top. And uh, some of my most memorable... <laughs> Times have just been viewing the valley and just looking out into the distance. You're standing on this mountain, and uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's really it. I mean, I don't, I was never feared for my life, but um, it was just yeah, yeah, memorable. Yeah, I don't. For any ladies listening, I'm sorry we didn't we don't have any perspectives from your side. Yeah, I, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Let's move on from that question. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> well. Where's the place that you were able to explore the wilderness the best? The what? The wilderness. The, the wilderness. Okay. Uh, this one is easy for me. One of my favorite places to explore the wilderness in the world is within the United States, and more specifically, the Pacific Northwest. I am in love with the that, that rainforest. Um, every time I get out there step out of the car, walk onto the trailhead, and you're immediately submerged in these incredibly tall trees. You hear the echo of birds chirping. The moss is thick. You really just feel lost in this jungle, and it feels pristine. It obviously isn't. Nothing is in the United States anymore, but you can really get lost or feel like you're lost there, and there's just something about that experience that draws me to it every time I'm there. Yeah, I would have to agree. I love the Pacific Northwest. There's something, yeah. there's something kind of incredible about those temperate rainforests and how big those trees get and the understory with all the ferns and undergrowth. It's just yeah. so pretty. Yeah, I mean, as far as the United States goes, I don't think there's a better natural environment. I know some people really enjoy, you know, the Red Rocks and they like being down in the Grand Canyon area and <clears throat> northern Arizona. Um, and... Yeah, but to me, there's no better natural environment in this country than the Pacific Northwest. So, what about you? So, mine's torn. I'm between Costa Rica and Tanzania. Uh, Costa Rica, we had an awesome opportunity. I mean, Wade's place, the Finca, was nestled in the foothills of the mountains. So, it was pretty far secluded from civilization to begin with. And there was like a stream running in the back. It was pretty much in the rainforest. But he ended up taking us on this hike through, uh, I mean, Travis mentioned this, through pineapple farms. So there was these massive dole farms with greenhouses. And then we got past that and hiked further up and into the forest and the mountain. And we ended up hiking up this stream. And for visual reference, if you think about the beginning of Jurassic Park, when they're like driving around the field and then they see the dinosaur for the first time. That's what this feels like. It's just open mountains in the background or backdrop in the very near backdrop and these massive trees, some small shrubs. And we're hiking up this stream, which now is very densely vegetated. It's not, it's not like a shallow stream. It's very rocky with big boulders and we're kind of hopping along these rocks. We got to wade through the creek at some points. And then this actually ties into my most memorable swim one. But we reached this clearing 
and it's this like 40 foot deep by I don't know, 50 foot and maybe like 100 foot in diameter, crystal clear pool of water with two waterfalls feeding it. One's like a huge one that's been carved out over millennia. And this other one that's kind of dribbling down the side of a rock. And it was just unbelievable. And uh, I don't know whose idea it was, but we decided to climb up this waterfall, which was pretty narrow. I mean, it had like a trickle of water, but you could kind of get grips on it and it was about 60 foot so five of us or six of us tried to climb this we got to the top and then we're exploring around up there and it's totally untouched minus us and it's just so crazy yeah that and sounds there, incredible there, there are no pictures after going up the waterfall so i can't verify that it's real <laughs> do you know where that is on let's say like google earth will you, you be able to find it yeah. Yep. Nice. The, nice. the imagery is not very clear, but I've one. I actually a few years ago, I I specifically took the time to find Wade's farm, and then I traced our path um to our to the waterfall. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So speaking of most memorable swims, where was yours? Most memorable swims. Mine was in Thailand. Um. So we were, I was part of a boat that went out and um, arranged snorkeling and scuba diving. They would not let me scuba dive there due to me having asthma. They just would not let me do it. I tried. We woke up early to do it, um, but Marlia did. And I, you know, so she enjoyed the day of snorkeling. She was underwater going through the coral reef. I had to, or she was scuba diving through the coral reef. I had to resort to snorkeling. So... Yeah. Sorry, bro. It's, it's, yeah, I know. It sucked. So, I mean, it wasn't it, – it wasn't – I don't want to say it sucked. It was amazing. I'm in Thailand snorkeling. There's black tiff reef, reef shark below me, sea turtles, jellyfish. I mean, I was Wait, you, you were able to handle that shark being down below you? Yeah, yeah. Black tiff, black tiff reef sharks are not aggressive. I knew that they were down there going into it, and – no, I mean, I have a very practical fear of sharks. I'm afraid of great whites. <laughs> I'm afraid of the ones that eat you. They are, they do swim along the, the, the Jersey coast. So it's not that crazy to be afraid of them. And the Jersey water is disgusting. You can't even see your feet. <laughs> anyway, this water, I can't is argue crystal, with that. <laughs> this water is crystal clear. I'm looking at all of the wildlife. And then I realize that the boat is gone. It left me. I mean, and it it didn't leave me. It knew I was there. It circles around. It drops people off in various locations and then goes and picks them up. But I'm close to the rock, the, the cliff, and the water smashes into the rock cliff. And so I'm just sitting there having to avoid getting pushed into the rocks. And eventually I started to get a little bit exhausted. Not too bad. Um, and I started swimming back out. I don't know if I was just going to hop on any boat I saw that was available, <laughs> but eventually they came back. I, I think they waved to me. I don't know how they saw me in this water with the waves going and everything. I, they're experienced guys, I guess. But yeah, I mean, that was it. it. It was memorable in the sense that the wildlife was amazing. It was the first time I saw sharks, decent sized sharks. I mean, maybe five foot black tip you know, reef sharks, decent size. They, they were, I think I have GoPro uh, video footage of them too. And, and yeah, and everything else that went along with it. So that was memorable. Me 
trying to avoid getting smashed into the rocks was memorable. Me looking for the boat to get out of the water was memorable. It was it was an all around memorable <laughs> experience. Uh, what, um, what about you? Where was yours? Well, mine was Costa Rica, but I do have another one that was actually pretty sweet. Um, and oh yeah, in the trip to Tanzania, we did three days in Zanzibar. Mm-hmm. And this I also do not have any photos of, but I was there with uh, three other guys that can verify this is true. So the one day we took a little longboat uh, out toward to I think it's called Tortuga Island because it's like got a bunch of turtles on it, and we were snor- snorkeling around there, which was pretty awesome. And then a bunch of us started like you know the technique where you like cross arms with someone across like directly in front of you and you create a platform and then you can flip people off of it so we were doing that with a few of the kids from the island and they're just like we they spoke no english we spoke no swahili and they're just like they they just wanted to keep doing it um that's awesome yeah that was a lot of fun but this other the next day we went to this other beach and it was actually part of a resort but the beach itself wasn't that intriguing what was intriguing was the guy who was sitting in a boat down on the beach and he was just kind of hanging out there he did speak a little english and we were just curious we're like so where do you take people and he's like i can take you to the to the sandbar and we're like the what he's like the sandbar it's like all right how much and so we haggled with them to get us and i think it ended up costing us like five bucks a person to get to the sandbar but it's just this it's a sandbar that is only it's only accessible during low tide so maybe like six hours out of the day, you can actually get to it. And so he took us out there. He anchored. We hung out on this sandbar and just like floated with the starfish for a few hours. And there are no photos of it. It is not anywhere on a map. And it was just like, I think I could find the point in the water if I were to look at it on Google. Right. But you're not going to see the sandbar or... No. anything yeah that's that's really cool man and so you said floating with starfish do they just float around well the the star it was very shallow water but there were starfish right next to us okay and we ended up catching a little crab you caught crabs in africa i did i got crabs don't tell amanda <laughs> <laughs> they were right. they were freshwater okay okay you can you can throw those back yes um Who's asking the next one? Is it me or you? You. Um, all right. Where have you almost died? The closest you've come to dying in what country? Uh, I, it, Tanzania. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. And that's it. That's it. You just, you almost died in Tanzania. Yeah. Was it a lion attack? Uh, was it crabs? It, it wasn't crabs. It wasn't a lion. It was something far more innocent. So um, I, okay. I, I, I won't make you guess. Okay. But I will say there's a good Dave Matthews song title that I should have listened to, and it's called Don't Drink the Water. Mm. And I knew that. But the one thing that I didn't really think about was rinsing my toothbrush with the water. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a very small amount of water that you're getting off of the toothbrush. Yeah. So you're supposed to do, you're supposed to like, you can shower with the water but do not ingest it at all any way possible. So I I was using the water to rinse my toothbrush off every morning and evening, and like halfway through the trip, I got severely, 
severely sick and I was just like curled up in the fetal position in the outhouse and like could not move. And for three days I was throwing up and I had the worst diarrhea. I mean, it was just coming out of all holes. <laughs> it was awful. Wow. Yeah. Three days. How of did you figure out it was from brushing your teeth? That, that, I mean, that was the only logical explanation. Like no one else had that issue. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. Good to know, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring a lot of bottled water. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, well, I was going to say, I think I did wash my teeth with the water while I was in Thailand, but I didn't have any issues. I guess I got just so got lucky with, yeah. with where I was staying. Yeah. It all depends. All, all it takes is one, one strain of a virus or bacteria to get into your system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I had a different experience. So the, one of the places that I almost died um, was in Utah. And this, this was wait, during a wait. hike. Did the Mormons get you? No. I was oh, okay. running from the Mormons. Oh, would you tell me and, if they did? <laughs> I would let you know. Yeah. Okay. No. This is a Mormon-free incident. This is – I was on – on uh, I think it was called Antelope Island um, in – near salt lake city utah there was this mountain there that i wanted to get it was it was called antelope island a elliot i think you and i were actually texting each other at some point oh, while i was yeah, on this yeah. island do you remember that yeah yeah so same day so this is that day so i'm on this island and i find this mountain and this this island's awesome it's this little haven of buffalo just roaming around um coyotes are out there beautiful landscape some of the coolest pictures I've ever taken were on that island because it was a very, very cloudy day. There's that picture, Elliot, that we use uh, for one of our slides with the clouds and the road. You know, oh, the road. Yeah. Go that's from Antelope Island. So oh, this. Oh, that's awesome. So I ended up climbing this mountain, and uh, it's snowing. It's winter time, and I'm getting higher and higher, and the the pathway is getting narrower and narrower and it's icy out and I just want to get to the summit. So I'm pushing myself farther along and eventually I realized that it would be unsafe for me to go any further. Now I'm, I'm on this narrow path covered in snow and ice to my left is there just a sheer drop off, off the mountain to my right is just vertical wall stone, um, you know, rock. So there's nowhere for me to grab. There's no vegetation I just panicked. I just dropped to my butt. Didn't know what to do. I did not want to die by falling off the mountain. And I did think it was possible. So I sat on my butt and I, on this icy path, this very narrow, maybe two foot, three foot path. I don't know what it was, but I just slid until I eventually got to a point where I can grab like a piece of vegetation, a branch or a rock and pull myself away from this basically area where it was a sheer cutoff. Um, that it was scary, man. Cause I really did think like this, I'm putting myself in a very dangerous situation. I was very aware that of how serious the situation was that I was in and I knew I had to get out of it. And it was just a very nerve wracking, you know, few moments from where I had to drop to my butt and shimmy back down to safety. Wow. Yeah. And I was all alone and it was winter time. This, this Island Antelope Island, it wasn't, it, there weren't a lot of tourists there. Uh, it wasn't a very popular place, I guess, in the winter. So, um, huh. yeah, not I, I wasn't not one of my smartest moments. So I would have to agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I never told my wife that story either. So she's gonna find out when she listens to this. <laughs> Does she even listen? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. 
Gotta make sure she's our biggest fan. <laughs> Dude, that's um, crazy. Well, I'm glad you made it. Yeah, yeah, that was me too. Me too. Yeah, because you didn't so, tell you didn't tell me that part after, while you were texting me. I guess you were texting me before that happened. I, I think I was texting you as I was driving around or something. I don't I don't remember what we were texting about, but I was just driving around. And I was tracking the buffalo herds because you can see them in the distance. I would drive. I'd pull up. I try to get pictures of them, and even as I was climbing the mountain. I could then see the herds from from where I was. It was awesome. It was a really cool island, and it's so close to Salt Lake City. If oh, yeah. Yeah, I just mapped it. It is really close. I was thinking it was a little further, like no. further west, so, but it is on the eastern side of the lake. I didn't have much time in Salt Lake City. I Googled, you know, before I went, what, what could I do and what was available given the amount of time I had there, and that seemed to be one of the better options. So I just drove out there. Uh, and made a day of it hiking around. I have some really cool pictures from that day. Um, but yeah, yeah, I did not die and I made it and, uh, that's what matters. So that is what matters. That's all that matters. <laughs> so, uh, what did you ask that question or did I, you, you asked me, okay, your turn, right? So yeah. And I think this should be our last one then. I yeah, think this okay. will be a good one. Um, all right. So now to wrap this up. If you you finished the three day effect, right, Florence? Yes. All right. Yes. So the end of hers, she talks about all walks and just taking a hike, and because the the thing that she found is that being awestruck is really important to having that sensation of mortality and humbleness and realizing your the world is much bigger than you. So with that being said, where did you feel the most awestruck in your travels? Yeah, I really like this question. Um, so before I get into that, I, I've traveled, you know, I've seen, I've been to a ton of different cities throughout the country and I guess I was seeing them and every time I came back home, I would tell Marlea, like, this city was awesome. Like, I loved it. Like, there was this and this and this. And I would just break down the city and everything I saw and what I ate and who I met. And one day she just said to me that I go to these places and I always find the best in them and that that meant a lot to me because you know a lot of people would go to certain cities and they may not go out of their way to learn about the city or understand the food that they have there or see the landmarks or or look into the history and i do i try to do exactly that i try to go somewhere and i want to learn the most that i possibly can about that location and i like being awestruck and i think it's easy to make yourself to be awestruck if you take the um the necessary steps to learn about where you're going. Anyway, um, so she told me that, and I, I thought about where the, the where I felt the most awestruck, and I think it really comes down to the national parks for me. Um, I've never really gone into one and left underwhelmed. They blow me away. You know, being in Redwood National Forest and standing at the base of some of these prehistoric, just incredibly gigantic trees or standing, you know, at in Yosemite and looking out over the valley, valley towards Half Dome, um, Olympic National Park, climbing to the summit of Mount Eleanor and being around all of these wild goats. Like, it's just every time I, I just love being in nature love that experience of just the wilderness and the, and the landscape the, the natural landscape of some of these places is it just blows me away every single time i've ever been there and another one is plitvis national park in croatia 
the waterfalls there are incredible. That's actually where we got our cover photo is of a walkway in that park. But yeah, I so love yeah. that photo. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and that whole place was just magical in a in a really natural way, just overwhelmingly beautiful. Um, so I guess my answer is uh, national parks, maybe, but I think just I try to be awestruck everywhere I go, in yeah. some way. Some people are more predisposed to being awestruck than others. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I think I think it's all about your attitude. You know, you can travel to some underwhelming city with no real obvious history but if you go and make the effort and talk to the people eat the food and learn about what actually happened there and their own little history i think you could get more out of your trip and maybe be a little awestruck yeah you can definitely find awe yeah for sure so where did you find awe i i find that i am very similar to you i am awestruck easily especially when you start to contemplate the histories of places the the magnitude of what something means or the magnitude of how long something's been there. The the thing, or I guess I should say, the places that I get the most awestruck are in secluded places with few people and we end up just looking at the stars. And I think the two places that I felt most awestruck in my life are in Tanzania where you can make out the Milky Way even before the sun sets. It's just, it's gorgeous. And it's, the night sky is, like, you've never seen so many stars in your life. And then you start to think about how many of those you have never seen before, and then how many of those, like, how long it actually took for that light to reach your eyes at that moment. And it's, unbelievable and the other places in costa rica we it was like our last second to last night in the country and we were staying camping on this very secluded beach on the pacific coast um we were kind of in a bay we were just like making some food on a fire trying to crack coconuts on rocks watching the sunset over the Pacific Ocean, and then you just get to look at the stars through the palm trees. Sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever been that far removed from society, like, you know, being in Tanzania or in the forest of Costa Rica. That's, yeah, that's something I have yet to experience. But with that being said, I mean, there are some places in even Pennsylvania that you can be pretty far away from the closest light source and you get some pretty great views. I know this summer, um, Amanda and I were with my brother-in-law, his girlfriend and another friend, and we were just doing whitewater rafting in the Yukagani. And we just stayed at this little farmhouse. And each night we were there, we made a fire and just kind of like laid in the grass and looked at the stars. I mean, you can see like, depending on how long you look at the stars, you'll see a meteor or an asteroid. Wow, really? Yeah. Could you see the Milky Way? There, I think there we could actually. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's it's pretty, pretty cool. awesome. Yeah, the world's an awesome place. It is. There's a lot to see and a lot to enjoy. Yes. Yeah, so get out there and travel. Well, everyone, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And 
as always if you could please just take some time out and give us a rating on itunes it would be so appreciated really goes a long way in help us helping this podcast grow it'll be your little christmas gift to us and this is ours to you yes yes merry christmas to everyone out there and happy new year and happy new year